The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Uh, take your Bibles with me, please. Turn to John chapter 21. Tonight I'm going to preach part two to this morning's message. Uh, tonight I've entitled the message, Simon Says. Now, I know that all of us, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us as children, played the game Simon Says. How many of you have ever played Simon Says? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We, we enjoy doing that and, and had a good time. That's not what tonight's message is about. We're not going to play Simon Says. But tonight I want to continue with what we started this morning. And I want to I want to share some lessons that Simon learned and some counsel that Simon gives us uh, in the word of God. And uh, so let's look together at, at John chapter 21. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, and on this wise showed he himself. There was together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his father's coat uh, unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were there, as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples, after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. 
He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have tonight. Thank you for this passage of scripture that you've given to us. Lord, so that we could see that you love us even when we fail. Even when we don't do the things that we should do, you forgive us. And you, as a gracious, kind, and loving Father, restore us to fellowship with you. Speak to us tonight as we consider these things, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Who can remember where we left Simon this morning? Anybody remember? What, 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 what was the last thing we saw of Simon Peter in our, in our message today? He went away and wept bitterly. He failed. He had been given the greatest task, test of his life. Jesus had warned him that Satan desired to have him, that Satan wanted to sift him as wheat, and Satan wanted to destroy and ruin him. And in that moment when his greatest test came, he failed. He denied the Lord three times. He even cursed and swore and said he did not know him. And at that moment, the rooster crowed. And Simon looked at Jesus and Jesus looked at Peter. And Peter was totally broken by his failure. And he, he ran away and wept bitterly. Now, I'm sure the other disciples were aware of what transpired. And so, I'm sure that all of them had sympathy for Peter, but not, that sympathy would not very much comfort Peter, for, for he, he had to live with what he had done. And then, three days after that, the Lord arose from the grave, and, and Jesus met with all of the disciples together, and, and we know all of those things, and how... For, for 45 days he, he walked upon the earth and he met with, with uh, other, other of his disciples and other of his followers. Then he ascended to heaven and, and gave us a promise as he left that he would come again. But before he left on that day of Pentecost, before he left, he met with the disciples here. And we, God allowed us to, to, to be a part of this story of Jesus meeting with them by the Sea of Tiberias. And we see here that his disciples are together with him, uh, having a meal and, and sharing a, a time of fellowship with the Lord. And we see the Lord call out unto Peter and say, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I do love you. And he asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? And he said a second time, yes, Lord, I love you. And he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? 
You see, the Lord wanted to show Peter that he'd forgiven him for his failure. You know, one of the, one of the hardest things for us to do sometimes is to, is to forgive ourselves when we fail. Sometimes we, 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 we want to carry with us those, those failures. And, and we want to use them to beat ourselves up every now and then. But you know, God forgets them. And we sang a, didn't, where's Brother Gary? Didn't we sing that song this morning in choir? Did we sing He Forgives and Forgets? Yeah, yeah, we did. And God forgives. And He forgets. But we have, to, we have to learn to forgive ourselves. Now, we don't want to completely forget our failures because there's valuable lessons in our failures. Amen? There are things we need to remember. But we need to, as Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. Paul said, I press forward. I go on and I strive to live for God. We can't change what happened yesterday. I wish I could go back and undo the things in my past that, that, that I failed. I wish I could go back and undo those failures. But I cannot. I cannot go back. But I can make sure that from this point forward, I do all that I can do to glorify, honor my, my God. So that's what we have to strive for. And that's why the Lord is here with Peter and he's, he's telling him here, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. He's saying, Peter, I need you. You have a task to do. You have a job to do, Peter. You have a purpose. And you can't sit around, mope, and cry over what happened. But I need you, Peter, to get focused and go forward and do what you need. To do. That's the message from the Lord to all of us tonight. Have you failed? Have you fallen? We all have, and we all do, and we all will. I don't want to, but I will. I'm sure you don't want to, but you will. But as James told us, God has given us, a, He's provided for us forgiveness and cleansing. If we're faithful to come to him and confess, he is faithful to forgive all things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We'd be in big trouble if he didn't forgive and forget. So Peter, sitting here on this, on this shore, and the Lord lovingly brought him back from the despair he was in and showed him that there was a work for him to do. And he got, got up from that place, he and his other disciples, and they went forward and they began to spread the gospel throughout the known world. And that's what we need to do. Now Peter, if, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm not going to read it, but we'll, we'll, we'll refer to 1 Peter chapter 1, Tonight, so maybe you want to turn there, save some time, and you won't have to hunt these scriptures down. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter gives us some wonderful counsel. And, and these are things that Peter learned from his experience at Calvary, from his failure. 
And the Lord restored him, and the Lord, the Lord blessed him, and the Lord gave him the understanding of all the things he had taught him. And now Peter is, is serving the Lord, and he wants to share his counsel with us. So what does Simon say? Counsels from Peter. What does Simon have to say to us that is of benefit to us as believers tonight? I want to share three observations with you, and we'll be done. Number one... Peter tells us we are to live in hope. We are to live in hope. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 with me, and let's read beginning at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again with a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, uh, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness uh, through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Hope. Hope is that general feeling that our desires will be fulfilled. I, I preached sometimes recently a little bit back that our hope is not hope at all, it's surety. But we refer to it as a blessed hope. And we are to live in hope. There is so much that needs to be stated here uh, in, this, in this chapter in First Peter. I, I don't even know where to begin. How can, how can one uncover the depth of, the, of Peter's words in just a few sentences? He called us elect, according to the foreknowledge, of God the Father, not simply because he foresaw, but by virtue of his omniscience, uh, rather because he, by, he ordained by his sovereignty that I would believe, that we would believe. He called us sanctified by the Holy Spirit, not by my works or efforts, but by the power and authority of God the Father through the Holy Spirit. He, he called us redeemed by the, the blood of Jesus Christ, and every drop of Jesus' blood was shed for our redemption not arbitrarily or without, with the presumption that some might be redeemed, rather with a specific redemption in mind, a definite distribution before ordained and established before the foundation of the world. Yet these amazing truths would be meaningless and without merit were it not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Yes, there, there would be no hope for us today if Christ still lay in the tomb. There would be no election unto grace. There would be no sanctification 
unto holiness. There would be no redemption of the wages of sin. But we do have hope tonight. We have hope because our Savior is risen. He's he's seated in heaven tonight. He's looking down upon us at this very moment. And because He lives, we too shall live. We have hope. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us right now. We have hope today. And it is time that we, as God's children, live as children of hope. We're to live with confidence in God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul writes, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You and I need to live with confidence, knowing that Jesus is alive, knowing that he hears our prayers and he answers them, knowing that he is making intercession for you and for me, knowing that he is coming again to receive us into our, into, unto himself. We're to live with confidence. We're to live with reverence for God. We spoke about this this morning, how Peter was, was insolent. Before, before this encounter Peter had and, and, and his failure, he was insolent. He was, he was not as respectful to the Father as he should be. But we should learn, now Peter has learned to live in humility. He's learned to respect God and respect Jesus Christ. And we're to live with reverence for God. Psalm chapter 34, uh, the psalmist writes, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Yes, Peter is living testimony that we have a hope and that our hope is steadfast and sure. Though he failed, he was able to overcome his weaknesses and his failures by God's grace. Not by himself. Peter didn't go away and weep bitterly and come to himself and realize he'd made a terrible mistake. And and he didn't pick himself up and he didn't dust himself off. And he he didn't reinstate himself. Who did all of that? Christ. We just read about it. At the Sea of Tiberias, the Lord comes back to Peter. Peter comes back to the Lord, and the Lord reinstates Peter and and, and reaffirms Peter's purpose and lets him know, Peter, I forgive you. Peter, I love you. Peter, I empower you. Oh, yes, Peter had failed. But he overcame those failures by the grace of God. And that's what we need to remember. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Remember Paul? What was, what was Paul before he became the Apostle Paul? He was Saul of Tarsus. And what was he? He was a Pharisee. And what was his mission? To destroy the church. He was hunting down Christians to imprison them or to kill them. And Paul says, it's but by God's grace that I am what I am. It wasn't Paul that got an epiphany and decided that he would change his life. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and his life was forever changed 
by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so must we. we. We're to live today in hope. We're to live with confidence. We're to live with reverence. Look at 1 Peter again with me. We read it already, but look, look at verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see that? God puts us through those fires, but not to consume us, but to refine us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We can live with the, with the blessed assurance of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So Peter comes to us tonight and says, live in hope. But then secondly, tonight I want us to see that Peter also tells us we are to walk in holiness. Not only are we to live in hope, but we are to walk. In holiness. We're still in 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's go to verse 13. We read here, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Notice the phrase that Peter starts out with in verse 13, where he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, this phrase that Peter gives is a metaphor. A metaphor uh, from which we can draw some logical conclusions. Now this would have been a phrase that to those whom Peter is writing would be easily understood. Now what does it mean to gird up your loins? Well, in Bible days we know that men wore robes. They wore, they wore garments that were, were not, they weren't dresses, right? But they were, they were long. They, they, sometimes they came down to the knees, sometimes longer. And when you needed to, to work, you had to, you had to gird yourself. You, they wore a belt. And what they would do when it was time to work, they would take that belt off and they would gather up the clothing and they would pull it up and they would take that belt and they'd go around their body and they'd bring it around and they'd tie up, they'd tie up their clothes so that their clothes wouldn't hinder them while they're working. If they were in the field, or maybe they were a carpenter, or, or a fisherman, they would gird up their garments, and they would, they would wrap them with that belt, and they would tie them off. And that's, that's, the, that's the illustration Peter's trying to give them. He's saying, gird up your mind. And this is illustrative of being prepared. Peter is admonishing us here to to gather our minds, to, to pull our thoughts together so as to keep them from hindering us in this life. 
In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul writes, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, if you and I are going to be able to obey God and walk in holiness, we are going to have to be able to control our minds. Amen? If you can't control your mind, you will not be able to live a holy life. Your mind will overtake you. Your mind will, will cause you to lose focus. And, and instead of and instead of living in, instead of walking in holiness, conducting a holy life, you'll conduct a life that satisfies the, the lusts of the flesh. We need to start thinking like a child of God. Not, we don't, we need to, we shouldn't be, Paul says, be not conformed to this world. Too many Christians are adding Christ to the, to their life in the world. Do you understand what I mean by that? Instead of, instead of throwing the world out and saying, Jesus is my life, they want to hold on to their old friends. They want to hold on to their old habits, their old hobbies, their old things. And they want to just add Jesus to it. Uh, drop in the church every now and then. Or maybe put a little bit money in the offering plate. And, 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 and at Christmas time, maybe remember Jesus and at Easter and all the, all the big religious holidays. And you can't do that. If we, are, if we are to live a life that is disciplined and dedicated unto holiness, then we must, Paul says, we must transform our minds. We must begin to think as a Christian is supposed to think. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, he writes, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. In 1 Thessalonians, he writes, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Now, we are not novices here. We know that it is our duty as believers to live in such a manner that would bring glory to God and not a reproach. Yet, we also know how easily we forget this and how quickly we are drawn away from this. Peter was so quickly and easily taken down by Satan, wasn't he? And if you and I don't get control of our mind, if we don't, as, as, as Peter said, if we don't gird up our minds and prepare our hearts to worship, love, and honor God, then we won't do it. We, we might mean to do it, but we won't, it won't happen. It won't happen. 
So we need to learn to walk in holiness. Remember how Peter boasted in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 33 when he said unto the Lord, he said, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And before that night was over, he denied the Lord three times and suffered shame and defeat. So what can we do? How can we gird up the loins of our minds, as Peter said? How can we think in ways that will cause us to live in God-likeness? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. I think I projected it up there, but I still want you to look at it. Look with me at Philippians chapter 4. If you're in 1 Peter, it's just a few books back toward the front. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Here in this, in this passage, Paul gives us a list of things to think about. Things that we should invest our thoughts in. Look at Philippians 4.8 with me. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things. And this is what we should spend our time thinking about. You know, when I read that verse, you know what that verse describes to me? Jesus. That verse describes Jesus. Just, true, honest, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous. Praiseworthy. You'd say, but how, how could I possibly go through life thinking about nothing but Jesus? How can you not? You know, I spend almost every day of my life thinking about my wife. I love her. I've loved her for 36 years. And I think about her all day long. When, when I'm at work, you know why I'm working? For her. Working to provide for the home. My children, my wife, my grandchildren. And oh, I may, I may, I may have to pay attention to certain things throughout the day. But I guarantee you, I'm always thinking about her. And you know... I'm always thinking about the Lord, too. I I just... I think that as Christians, we need to just learn to focus our minds and our thoughts and our heart on Jesus. And I promise you, if you do that, you'll have far less problems (laughs) in your life. Far less problems. Think about the right things. And let me add this. If we want to think right, then we need to live right. Because if we live involved in in things we shouldn't be involved in, then we're not going to think about the, the right things. It's a simple formula. Live right, think right. Think right, live right. 
Sounds like a motivational speech, doesn't it? <laughs> think right, live right, live right, think right. But it's true. And it's what we need to do. I'm so, I'm so sickened, really. I mean, you turn the television set on and all you are, your mind is bombarded with all the wrong things. You ever notice that? All the wrong things. And you open a book to read, a magazine, you, you, you read the newspaper, you, you, you're just bombarded. Your mind is bombarded with all the wrong things. And the minds of people today are corrupted by the things that they see and hear. And we need to learn to think about the right thing. Now look again at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and uh, 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We are to be holy <clears throat> because the Lord is holy, and he has empowered us to be holy too. Now Peter is not suggesting that you or I can attain to God's holiness. But what he is doing is he is implying that we are to live in the pursuit of growing in holiness through the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we live in Christ's righteousness and we persevere in and through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Are we going to always succeed? No. But we should be striving to succeed at every time, every moment in our life. When we, when we mess up, when we fall, when we fail, go to God and confess it. And stand up and push forward and strive to, to do the right things. Strive to live in holiness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in the power of your own mind or flesh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Simon says live in hope. He says live in holiness. But then thirdly, Simon says we are to dwell in harmony. Dwell in harmony. 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 22. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You see what he said there? We're to love one another with a pure heart. While I cannot state with surety that Peter in his heart believed himself to be the chief of the disciples, his behavior often strongly suggested that he did. But now, Peter's writings clearly indicate his meekness and his sincere love for his brethren. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, we, Peter writes, Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. In that one sentence, Peter tells us, love everybody. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, finally. Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. First Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, Peter writes, And above all things, 
have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I know that we all have heard multitudes of messages on loving the brethren. We have been told how this is evident of our belief in Christ. But I cannot help but believe that at this point, and this time in Peter's life, it is important because he understood the value of fellowship. You see, his fellowship was broken by his failure. But now he is back in the fellowship of the believers. And I am sure that he wants us to know how important it is that we remain in harmony with one another. You see, when Peter, when Peter failed in, 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 in the courtyard, and when Peter denied Christ and cursed and swore, and when, when he ran out of there bitterly, and when he ran out of there and wept bitterly, his, his fellowship was broken. His fellowship with Christ was broken. His fellowship with the other disciples was broken. (laughs) Now, not so much because the other disciples shunned him, because I'm sure that they were all dealing with the same brokenheartedness that Peter did, because they had all forsaken the Lord, had they not? Yeah, they had all forsaken him. Not just Peter. It's just Peter's forsaking was so tremendous it had to be recorded. Peter didn't just go off into the darkness and forsake Jesus. No, he had to go there and deny him and curse and swear. Peter had to take it all the way. But you see, his fellowship was broken. His fellowship with Christ was broken. His fellowship with his, with his brethren was broken. And, and he, was out of, he was out of fellowship and he was... He was in disharmony with everyone around him. And now the Lord has so graciously brought him back and has restored him. And now Peter's fellowship is restored. And never again does he want to lose that. And he realizes how important it is that we, brethren, live in harmony. How often do we mistreat one another? How often do we badmouth people? Do we talk about people behind their backs? We do that. Sometimes it's to make ourselves feel better. Maybe it's to make ourselves feel more important. I don't know. But it's a terrible thing. And it's something God's children ought not do. Consider the admonition of Paul. In Philippians chapter 2 he writes, If therefore there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're to dwell in harmony. We, we, we may, you know, we're not going to agree on everything. 
I mean, how many of you are Steeler fans? Any of you besides me? You're all wrong. You're all wrong. You're, you're rooting for the wrong team. But I forgive you. And we can dwell in heart. We're not going to agree on everything. Some of you may have different political opinions than me, and I have different things than you have, but that is, that is no, that still, that's, we put those aside because we are brethren in Christ. We love one another. We think the same way when it comes to spiritual things. And we dwell in harmony. We pray for one another. We help one another. I've often asked the pastor to keep me in line concerning this. I've often told him, Pastor, if you, if you hear me talking about something that I shouldn't be, you, you, you call me on it. I've, given, I, I've placed my accountability in him and given him, I've given him my permission to call me on the carpet. Are you angry with another believer tonight? Do you harbor strife or contention, even if it's only in your heart? Are we guilty tonight of slander, criticism, or bitterness toward another person? Ephesians tells us, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You might say, but I don't understand why they did that to me. No, you might not. You might not understand it. But I do know what Christ told us to do. In Matthew chapter 18, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And by the way, Jesus didn't put a number on how often you have to forgive. So don't keep a tally book and say, okay, this is number 489. One more time, buddy, and that's it. That's not what he meant. What Jesus is saying is if you can forgive someone for doing something to you 490 times, then you can forgive them 491. It's a lesson on the fact. Let me ask you this. How how often should God forgive you? you? You want God to quit forgiving you after seven times? How many of you say seven times is enough? God can quit forgiving me after seven times. Raise your hand. Well, then do unto others as you want it done unto you. Just forgive. Remember the admonition we see in Hebrews chapter 12, where we read, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. I suspect that Peter, after his meeting with Christ at the Sea of Tiberias, learned the importance of love for the brethren and living in harmony. So tonight, 
What does Simon say to us? Well, he says, live in hope. We have a hope that's steadfast and sure. Live your lives confident. Live your lives in reverence to God and, and live in that hope. Live your life in holiness. Walk holy because God is holy and He has empowered you to be holy. He, he's taught us to think on the right things and, and to focus our hearts and minds, to, to gird up the loins of our mind, to, to prepare our minds so that we only think of Him and then live in harmony. Dwell in harmony with one another, forgiving one another, being kind and, and, and long-suffering. You know, be kind to someone because you are going to need someone to be kind to you. You know what Solomon said? In, his, in, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon said, A man that hath friends must show himself what? Friendly. Yeah. You better be nice to people and you better help people when they need it if you can because your turn's coming. And you're going to need them to be nice to you. And you're going to need them to help you. What does Peter's life say to us today? Well, one statement and we're done. What Peter's life says is this. Do not let the failures of yesterday keep you from the victories of today. Don't live in defeat. You made a mistake yesterday? Ask God to forgive you. Forsake it as best you can and go on. And prepare for the victories that are to come. Peter. Well, we we took a long look at Peter today. We saw him go all the way down. And by the Lord's grace, we saw him come back up. And you know what? That's That's a picture of our lives, isn't it? Isn't that a picture of our lives? We're up and down. Up and down. Peaks and valleys. But we look forward to that blessed day when we'll stand in the presence of the Lord. Never again. Never again to leave. What a glorious day that will be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Without it, Father, none of us would be here. None of us would be able to do anything of any value to your kingdom were it not for Jesus Christ and his blood. This this world would would be what it will become during the tribulation without your Holy Spirit. So we praise you and we thank you, Lord, that We are your children, that you love us, and that you will never forsake us. Give us us the confidence and give us the courage and the strength we need so that we might glorify you in our life every day. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, 
you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.